This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I'm Laura Wenis, and this is Fifth and Mission. San Francisco is doing its best to lean into its new reputation as the epicenter of AI. In fact, Mayor London Breed declared it so, naming the city the AI capital of the world and comparing the arrival of these tech companies to the gold rush. At a time when big tech companies are leaving the city and San Francisco can't shake the worry that its economy is in trouble, artificial intelligence startups aren't just not leaving, they're flocking here. It's a multi-billion dollar local industry and about a dozen of the most highly valued companies have settled in San Francisco. Companies are setting up shop in everything from offices to Airbnbs. Their CEOs say this is the perfect community for their work. Breed and business leaders are considering what incentives could sweeten the deal for these companies to attract more of them to San Francisco and keep them here. To understand what that means and how significant the AI boom could be to San Francisco's future, I'm talking with Chase DeFelice Antonio, who covers tech, business, and workplace safety for The Chronicle. Chase, thanks for sitting down with me. Thanks for having me. So is this reputation well-earned? Is San Francisco actually an AI capital? Well, we put together a map of some of the most well-funded AI startups in the business, and it turns out that a large chunk of them are located in San Francisco, in the downtown, in the Mission, and elsewhere. But it's not just that. I mean, you talk to startup folks, and there's a real energy around tinkering with this technology, really building new things from the ground up, and kind of having fun. And a lot of that is at events, it's in person, it's in the form of hackathons and happy hours. So there really does seem to be this organic energy around the technology in the city that's kind of reminiscent of the early days of previous tech booms. Is that a yes? Yes. <laughs> so city leaders are hoping that this AI boom that is in fact a boom kind of recharges the city's economy and produces some revenue for the city. But you write that there's actually a lot of differences between this boom and previous booms. A lot has changed since the last rise and fall. So it's not totally clear what an infusion of new tech startups would actually mean for the city or the region. How exactly is this different from the last tech boom and maybe from the dot-com boom and bust before that? Right. So this is a question I really felt was important to get to the bottom of, at least in the beginning stages of this industry here in San Francisco. And so asking people about this, the one common theme that kept coming up was just the number of employees these companies are hiring, or in some cases, not hiring. I mean, previous tech booms, say the one about 10 years ago in the 2010s, with which saw companies like Uber and Airbnb move into the city, get these huge cash infusions, and then use that to go on really big hiring sprees, hiring thousands of people, a lot of them based in San Francisco. AI companies are no less well-funded, but we're coming out of this period of huge tech layoffs that's made companies a lot less sure-footed about going on these big hiring sprees. So OpenAI is the maker of ChatGPT, which is the maker of GPT-4, which is the chatbot that really kind of started the AI revolution in some cases in its most recent form, dating back to November of last year. So 
some of these companies, OpenAI included, I mean, they're hugely valuable, but they don't have thousands of employees that are suddenly flooding businesses and bars and SOMA and across the city. So right now, it's probably going to have less of a pronounced effect on the economy here just because these companies are operating a little bit leaner than during previous tech booms. They're being valued the same way that those big tech giants from like five to 10 years ago were? OpenAI is worth, on paper, many, many, many billions of dollars. Some observers think is worth anywhere from 27 to 29 billion dollars. It's one of the most valuable companies in the world. And they only have reports, say, maybe 500 employees. Some folks think they're hiring triple that right now, but it's a pretty tiny company comparatively. Are they actually worth that, though? Does valuated mean worth that? Or does it mean like that's how much people have put in? It means like based on their most recent round of funding, that's like what people think that they are worth if they were to like be sold. So again, that's why people say on paper, because there's no money. You were just talking about how the companies that are operating here now are not hiring in quite the same way. So their employees are not flooding the city in the same way that we saw employees of last tech booms do. The last tech boom and bust had not lifted all boats in the city, and it came with a lot of concern about gentrification and prioritizing attracting big business at the expense of tax revenues and what the city needs. Did that leave enough of a bitter taste in people's mouths to make it unlikely that we're going to see the same cycle again? Yeah, I I think it's kind of tough to say right now. I mean, the obvious precedent here is the Twitter tax break, which gave Twitter a break on its city payroll tax over the course of a decade. I mean, the trade-off there was it kept that company in mid-market for better or for worse. They're still there in some form. But what's different here, I think, is the AI industry hasn't asked for and hasn't really been offered anything of the sort. I mean, they haven't been around in this form in the city for that long. I think Mayor Breed's office has been careful not to appear to be giving them any special treatment, at least as far as policy goes. She's definitely been at conferences and gone on the record, kind of opening the arms and being welcoming to the industry more broadly, but hasn't really said, we're going to give you these particular incentives or special treatment to stay here in the city. I mean, I think as it matures, as the industry matures, there's going to be difficult conversations that will have to be had about what it will take to have this industry and its companies continue to grow in San Francisco? And ultimately, what, if anything, will have to be traded to essentially keep it here? Yeah, but that's exactly what business leaders and and city leaders are concerned about, right? Is how do we attract more of these companies? How do we keep the ones that are here from, from going away? What's on the table currently in terms of strategies to retain these companies? I've been talking to some of these AI companies, big and small startups, more well-funded companies, and they're not really asking for anything in particular. The main thing that I hear from them is that they just want a functional, clean city that has decent public transportation and that is relatively safe where they can operate their business. That's kind of the tack that the administration has taken is that they're trying to create an environment that's welcoming to all businesses overall by making the streets safer and cleaner to the extent they are doing that or can. And and that's really where we're at right now. I mean, the city has offered for some smaller businesses breaks on taxes for real estate, things like that for, for renting offices. But it's really on the level of how do we make it so that the streets are safe so that you can walk around Soma at night and leave your startup and go home and not have to be concerned about what might happen. 
just to linger on the idea of tax breaks for a moment longer, because they do keep coming up in these conversations. What have experts told you about tax incentives? Do they work? I mean, in some cases, definitely. I think in some ways, tax incentives can also be a way to telegraph to an industry that city wants that industry or a certain set of companies to remain there. In some cases, it's less about the actual dollar amount and more about the willingness to work with a company to give them what they need. But I think if you go back to previous rounds of tech booms in San Francisco, one of the issues that comes up is there can be something of a disconnect between the industry and what it needs and what the city is able and willing to do in terms of how quickly it's willing to move the gears of bureaucracy. But is it enough to counteract the recent tech layoffs and other economic bad news in the city? We'll get to that after a quick break. You're listening to Fifth Admission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Chase, the Chronicle has been churning out the headlines about big-name tech companies leaving the city, remote work, reducing the demand for office space, concerns about conditions on the streets. We also saw a few big rounds of tech layoffs recently. How big is this AI boom compared with all of those losses? I mean, I don't want to say it's a drop in the bucket. I think the industry itself and its hiring so far, it's definitely enough to fill some smaller offices, some of them downtown, some of them in neighborhoods like the Mission, as I said. Companies like OpenAI are certainly hiring, as are others. Really, a lot of these companies are hiring for engineers, but that's who they really seem focused on bringing on, is really highly skilled AI engineers, whereas opposed to during previous tech booms, these companies would hire up thousands of people, they'd hire up salespeople, marketing people, you name it. And for the time being, that really isn't necessarily the case for startups and for even larger companies with with more money in the bank. For right now, that's kind of what we're seeing is this industry and how it's hiring and how it's working. It's not the silver bullet to fix an empty downtown or the hole left by these layoffs or company departures like I think some people in city government and just more broadly are hoping. I think there is potential. There, there's some stock to be put into the idea that the AI industry being here may save the city from itself in some form and help basically create a cash infusion to fix some of its mounting social problems that you know were definitely exacerbated by empty offices during the pandemic. But it's just not likely that any one company or industry or conference is going to put things back the way they were. So not enough to save us from a doom loop. Not for the time being, no. Let's talk about some of the things that are actually bringing people here. You've talked to think tanks, individual business leaders. What are they telling you that's really appealing? What's the draw in San Francisco for AI companies? I mean, the main thing when I ask people these questions that always get brought up is that despite kind of this distribution, this atomization of tech talent engineers to other parts of the country during the pandemic, San Francisco and the Bay Area are still where a lot of the most skilled software engineers are. A lot of that has to do with having institutions like UC Berkeley and Stanford nearby, which train a lot of these people, some of the most highly skilled coders around. And it's just really hard to compete with that in other parts of the country. I mean, and then there is also the financial infrastructure that is in place for building technology companies. I mean, the pandemic showed that 
you can start and run a company remotely. But I mean, when it comes to convincing someone, a venture capitalist, to sink in millions of dollars in essentially an idea that you have, handshakes still have a lot of currency. And being in person is, in some cases, a requirement or a pretty necessary part of that deal. And again, that in-person collaboration, that energy, that sense that there's something new to kind of be tinkered with and worked on in person, I mean, that really isn't available in the form it is in San Francisco anywhere else right now. I have heard from at least one tech worker that they just refuse to go back to the office. They refuse to go to San Jose or Sunnyvale or Mountain View or anything like that because the commute is awful and the areas that are closest to those big employers are just kind of boring. So they live here and they don't want to go anywhere else. Is that a factor at all in locating these companies within San Francisco because there's sort of this understanding that people are not going to go on long commutes anymore? I think that's part of it, but I think it also really depends on who you talk to. One thing about AI startups and even some of the larger AI companies is that they're really building this technology in real time and trying to come up with how it works, what they want it to do, kind of as they go along in some cases, what it's going to do in the market, how it's going to be monetized. And as far as engineers are concerned, a lot of folks have told me that really requires in-person collaboration. So if it's a hacker house or if it's an office, that largely in-person type of collaboration and work is kind of a hallmark of the industry, at least for the time being. I mean, that said, to your point, I mean, highly skilled AI engineers, I mean, these are arguably some of the most in-demand kinds of workers in the country and in the world right now. They kind of get to choose their working conditions. Exactly. They get to choose where they work in terms of the, the company, but also physically where they work. And if a company really wants a particular coder and that person asks to be fully or partially remote, it's very likely that they will get their way. You have written that the growth of AI companies might also spur some other adjacent companies to bring up around them. What kind of ecosystem could we expect to grow around these AI companies? Yeah, so this is kind of looking to the future a bit, but it's similar to how a multitude of companies have sprung up to provide secondary services around Salesforce's software, for example, or Cisco systems. I mean, the same is likely to happen with artificial intelligence. I mean, there's startups like OpenAI who are actually building these chatbots, the real hard software that power these engines. But then there's also companies that are already starting to pop up that are going to repurpose them and license them and use them for a literally endless number of applications. You're already seeing startups focus on disease detection, chatbots that offer different kinds of therapy and on and on. And I mean, so there really is this secondary industry that is already getting and will continue to, to cr get created. And that is important because largely it means more hiring. It means more people, more likely in San Francisco, spending money. The question is how long that will take and to really get going and if it really will continue to be rooted in San Francisco. I mean, that's not exactly 100% clear right now. Does it also mean that we're just going to see more development of practical applications of these AI systems? You were just talking about disease detection. We don't really know what else it could all be used for, right? Right. I mean, that's part of what's so exciting about this is that the applications for this are pretty endless. I mean, I've written about different types of AI algorithms being used to detect different types of rare heart conditions or to predict where the embers might fly during a wildfire. We're just in the beginning of this. Some of these projects have been 
under development for a long time, but the type of technology that's coming out is really supercharging a lot of them. You wrote one story about a company that was pretending to offer expert investment advising supercharged by AI when it actually didn't really provide either of those things. There are tons of companies right now that promise to utilize AI or that say their product is AI-powered. How do we know whether a company is really working with artificial intelligence or just kind of like stuck AI on their name or in their marketing somewhere to make it sound good? I mean, this honestly, in some cases, is part of my job is trying to understand what exactly is AI and what is not. When I'm talking to a doctor who's working on algorithms in their lab to develop ways to detect rare heart conditions using AI, that's pretty hard tech. But I think you are already getting to the point where that phrase is being slapped on things that they may use an algorithm to determine things or to make educated guesses. But there's kind of this growing conversation about around what really can be considered artificial intelligence. I mean, I think one obvious delineator there is what is generative artificial intelligence, something where you can put in a question and it spits out an answer or an image almost organically. I mean, I think in a lot of cases, it's pretty easy to determine that. But some companies are kind of saying, oh, our software is powered by artificial intelligence. And it's just not being a uh, an engineer or a coder. Sometimes it's really not clear. And I think it's something that increasingly, especially with the secondary industry starting to grow up around it, really needs to be taken with a grain of salt. Is there a chance that there's a similar thing happening with the whole idea of an AI boom in San Francisco or San Francisco attracting AI startups that it's kind of like, yeah, we're doing all this stuff about AI. AI is such a huge thing. And it's really kind of just the reputation of AI more than the actual technological developments. I mean, you talk to some folks and they really are working on some pretty complicated, fascinating things that uh, really feel like they're moving the technology forward. I mean, anything from self-driving cars to chatbots. I mean, these things really just feel new and different. But then that's part of any tech boom. That's part of what a boom is, is people trying to come and make it rich and essentially market into that that ether and take advantage of that. I mean, I think it's something to to certainly be aware of, but that's why technology like ChatGPT is so transformative is because real leaps forward in technology just in that way, they don't always come around very often. And what usually happens is there's innovation and then there's people trying to get rich off the innovation for many, many years after that. So both things are kind of true. I'm glad you're here to help us understand this. Chase, thanks for talking with me. Happy to be here. Chase DeFelice Antonio covers tech culture, workplace safety, and labor issues. Find his stories about artificial intelligence at sfchronicle.com. Thanks to Sarah Feldberg and Keith Manconi for production help on this episode, Gary Baca for mixing the audio, and thanks to you for listening. Mm-hmm.